Hi, I'm Jacqueline. And I'm Courtney, and this is Caffeinated Crimes. Happy wedding week to Courtney, as you guys are hearing this. Courtney is getting married in like four days, Mm -hmm. so I'm sure you can feel her anxiety from wherever you are in the world, because I'm sure it's (laughs) radiating there. (laughs) Yes, um, planning a wedding is very stressful, Mm -hmm. Um, mostly because I didn't realize like how many things go into planning a wedding, like Mm -hmm. how many people want answers from you about things that you don't really care about or know about. And you're like, (laughs) can you just show up? I don't know. Um, (laughs) Oh, just wait until the day of when people are texting you like directions or what do I wear Mm -hmm. or things that I'm just like, who do you guys, if you've ever texted someone, which I think office ladies talked about this it was recently for me, so it's probably like three months oh, yeah. ago. Um, but I I don't that. don't text people on their wedding day. Like, you probably know someone else who can have the answer. Text that person. Text mm-hmm. people in the wedding party. Text friends, family. Don't don't text the bride and groom to figure out how to get there. You should know that before the day of the wedding. They're a little busy that morning. And like, if something like is happening, unless it's like an eight or nine or 10 on the seriousness level, <laughs> please just wait and tell me after because I got way too much anxiety anyway. And if like someone tells me something minor's going on, like I'm going to freak over it. So like just try and solve it or like tell me the next day. I can't, yes. I don't want, I don't, I mean, I guess I can be selfish cause it's, it's my wedding day, but I'm like, <laughs> please just, just save my mental health today. Okay. <laughs> Um, have you seen the TikTok where this girl's cousin died at the reception, like went into cardiac arrest and they continued the wedding? Oh, no, no, no. no, no. So she's, she's alive. She like died at the reception, but she wasn't resuscitated until like in the ambulance. So like she was dead when she, so as far as everyone there knew, she was dead. And they continued the reception because she's basically like, she's going to be dead either way. So I'm going to have my party. Oh, no, I would be so distraught. (laughs) Right? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Gosh. Blows my mind. I just cannot imagine. And I, it's probably going to be me, but I hope it's not me. Um, This bride who was dancing and like broke her foot or broke her leg. And then she's sitting there just like. I'm still having a good time. And she's just dancing in a chair. (laughs) Well, that's why we just got to make sure you have enough alcohol before the dancing starts that if you do break something, the pain is numbed. So it's okay. That's true. And I'm wearing flat shoes. Like I'm not wearing heels. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. My dream was always to wear like the biggest, flashiest heels. Um, And then I was like, this ain't it. Mm, I'm getting married in grass. Yeah. And I want to dance. So I just wore, they're like cute little shoes, things. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah. Comfort is definitely important, especially like if you are a dancer, if you like to dance, like if you want mm-hmm. to have that kind of reception, like you got to have comfortable shoes to be able to, to move yeah, in. Yeah. And like when they hem your dress, they hem it based off of your shoe. So yeah. if I did a heel and then I take my heels off to dance, my dress going to be too long again. Exactly. Um, so. The seamstress who is, I was about to say editing, that's not the right word. Um. Hemming? Um, yes, hemming. <laughs> She's editing my dress. <laughs> Can you tell we're podcasters? Um, so the, <laughs> the seamstress who is hemming my dress, like, she legit laughed when, like, I walked out. She was like, so you just need a little cut off, huh? Because it was so long. Oh, my gosh. Like, 
<laughs> like I would have been like tripping all over it. Um, and then she was like, she's like, you don't want any kind of train, do you? And I was like, no. I was like, what, what do you mean? I don't understand. Did bridesmaids like, have trains? Not usually. So that's what she was saying. Like sometimes oh. for like a prom dress, like you might want to keep a little of the length in the back. Oh, I and I was gotcha. like, oh, okay. She's like, it's not common for bridesmaids. She's like, I'm just making sure that like the other bridesmaids don't have trains. And I was like, oh no. We'd... no. Can you imagine if I showed up with a train? With a train. <laughs> on my dress. You're like, okay. Courtney, Courtney comes out with scissors. All right, we're just chopping this bitch <laughs> off right here. <laughs> yeah, my dress when I got it hemmed had seven layers that we oh, had my to. Gosh. Just, I mean, there were so many, like, thin Ooh. layers. It'd be, like, a very yeah. thin layer of lace. A very thin, like, because it's, like, a bunch, you know. And mm-hmm. so, literally, like, I was standing there just having to hold it all up. And the girl was like, keep yeah. keep bouncing your knees. I don't want you to faint. Because oh, they oh. must have people come in and faint. Because she was like, yeah. bounce your knees, bounce your knees. Um, but, yeah, we even had to get, like, some more of it hemmed off from my second fitting. Because it was, like, still too long. <laughs> It's oh just, my gosh. Wow. You could make like a whole nother dress with what you had hemmed off of your dress. Probably. And my bustle is so complicated. And like my mom took a video of it and she was like, you just give that to, to Jacqueline and Tiffany and Ashton and they can figure that out. Cause I, don't know. Like, I was like, done. I was like, we have a video like D like step by step how to do it. Yeah. So I was like, I think we can, I think the four of us can figure it out, but yes, we can. We have a lot of college degrees amongst us. We can figure this out for sure. Yeah. I'm very confident in that. Um, but we'll see how that goes next week. We'll be talking about how it was a disaster. Anyway, <laughs> not the wedding, just just the dress specifically. <laughs> oh, but um, yeah. So now that we've given you a, uh, not even a recap because the wedding hasn't happened yet. But now that we've gotten through the wedding talk, um, we do have a few true crime updates before we get into today's episode. Um, since we normally record ahead of time, but even more so right now, preparing for the wedding. This is a very old update at this point, but mm-hmm. in last week's time, as far as recording, we talked about remains that were found that could possibly be linked to Susan Powell, but it did come out this week that they are not hers. Um, they actually turned out to be non-human bones, so they're not um, the body of anyone. So I think you said there are still some items to be tested that were found that could be yeah, linked to I her. Think it was like, Maybe a shoe and a piece of a blouse, I think, mm-hmm. that they're going to test because they're like, what is this? Um, yeah. But yeah, very, very sad. Yeah, super sad. And who knows what's actually happening in real time <sighs> with this update. Yeah. Um, but Russia did invade Ukraine, so they are actively invading and attacking Ukraine. So if we do have any... Ukraine listeners, I'm sure our podcast is not number one on your list of listening right now, but yeah. our hearts and our thoughts are with you. And if there's anything we can do, um, I seeing like the people of Ukraine just being like, I'm not leaving, I'm fighting is just like mm-hmm. gut wrenching so in a good way. I don't know, like all that, just like the, I don't know if you saw the president, um, cause like, Biden was like, I can help you guys evacuate. And he was like, I don't need a ride. I need ammunition. And I was mm-hmm. like, and he's fighting right along with them. So, yeah, I don't really know. I've seen a lot of updates of a lot of countries, you know, putting um, sanctions on Russia, like kicking mm-hmm. them out. There was like a soccer tournament thing that was supposed to be held. They moved it. Um, yeah. So I don't know the long term implications of this. Mm-hmm. But I think Russia has been a crazy bear that we've all tried not to poke. 
and yeah. it's kind of coming to a head. Um, yeah. So just kind of remember to like, I know people are like, oh, great. Gas prices are going up. This is happening. This is happening. Like that is a very privileged take because your mm-hmm. home is not being like bombed. Like I literally saw like makeshift NICU units in a bomb shelter. Like, yep. I was going to say the same thing. I'm sure we saw the same post, but yeah. yeah, like where they're literally just like babies lined up in the basement of this bomb shelter, like wrapped in blankets and they're using mm-hmm. like hand devices to like help them breathe and like, yeah, like <sighs> things are very yeah. bad and yeah, I don't know what's going to happen, um, but yeah. Yeah. Like we said, our hearts go out to all of our listeners in the Ukraine. Um, if you guys happen to be hearing this, um, we are And our of you. Russian listeners who are like protesting yes. in Moscow and who are trying to speak out. I know Absolutely. that is very, very dangerous for you to do. Like we've seen mm-hmm. how dangerous it is to speak out. And so the people who are doing that, like, you know, because I, yep. I don't want it to kind of be like, um, like I kind of know this happened like. When Japan attacked Pearl Harbor and it was like, yes, all of them are like terrible. And it's like, no, OK, yeah, that's not. No, yeah. no. So like you, the, the decision, the good that, Russian listeners, we're, we're with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The decisions that the leaders of your country make do not represent you as an individual. Mm-hmm. So for sure. Um, some positive news, though. Um, we have talked several times about the Ahmed Arbery case, and this week, Travis McMichael, Gregory McMichael, and William Bryan were all found guilty in federal court of a hate crime. Um, so that included violating Ahmed Arbery's civil rights and kidnapping. Um, so they will have sentencing for that later. Um, it it kind of seems like it's just they want to make an example of it because they've already mm-hmm. been sentenced to life, um, but they do have that hate crime charge added on now, um, which will probably make any you know appeals or anything more difficult. Um, and again, just setting an example for anyone else who wishes to engage in these activities to know, hopefully, what would happen, what should happen. Yeah. Um, and maybe it does help, I guess, if they're state charges somehow get appealed i don't know how they would um that they can fall back on that federal one i don't really know it does kind of seem like a we're gonna show what happens um yeah and they deserve it i mean they're yep shitty people bye for sure all right so before we get started on this case we do want to issue a trigger warning there is discussion of sexual assault in this episode um so Completely understand if that is something you can't listen to, don't want to listen to. Completely understand. Um, You can listen and try and, like, skip forward when we talk or just we'll see you next week. Um, (laughs) Either one. There's not not a a lot of, like, details, um, Mm -hmm. but it is mentioned. So just want to make sure that's out there. So our sources for today were an episode of On the Case with Paula Zahn. Um, It was season 15, episode 6, Stranger Among Us and a bnd.com article. So on June 6, 1977, police in the suburbs of St. Louis, Missouri, received a call that the body of a teenage girl was found in an empty field under a tree. A woman was looking to buy property in a vacant area off the roadway when she found the body. So Detective Greg Moore arrived at the scene to find a teenager whose throat had been slashed and her body was off of a gravel, unmaintained road a couple of hundred feet from the main roadway. Her bra was stuffed in her mouth and she had a ligature around her neck and her jeans were pulled down from the waist. So police immediately knew this was a murder and highly su- 
suspected that it was sexually motivated as well. And Detective Moore also believed that this girl had been killed at the location because her hand was still clenching the grass and dirt next to her, which is a horrific Mm. image scene. Yes. All of the above. She was barefoot and was wearing a blue and white striped shirt and jeans. She didn't have anything with identifying information on her, and police believe that the killer was likely local and knew this spot would be a quiet location far away from other people. So because the area was so vacant, police believed she had been driven there, but they were unable to find any tire track impressions, and police did issue a statewide bulletin about the found girl and soon received a call from the assistant chief of police for Brentwood, which was about 30 miles away, and he believed the girl found could be his relative who was just reported missing earlier that day, and he drove to the morgue and did positively identify the remains as 16-year-old Velda Rumfeldt. So Velda loved art and gymnastics and was a straight-A student who enjoyed school. Um, She was even going to skip her junior year because she was so far ahead in her studies, which is insane for, like, a 16-year-old. Like, Yeah, definitely. You know, especially in high school when you're just kind of like, I just don't care about anything. And, (laughs) yeah, like, she was, like, on it. She was described as a free spirit, and Velda and her older brother Dewey split their time between their mom and stepdad's house in Kansas City and their dad and stepmother's house in Brentwood. Um, So their parents separated when they were only toddlers, and they were very close to each other. Um, They'd even ridden Greyhound buses between the parents' homes from a young age together. So obviously... um, I think especially when you're having to switch houses and, like, your siblings, like, that's a bonding experience because you kind of understand, like, okay, I know, like, you know what I'm going through. I know what you're going through and you're traveling together. Like, very bonding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I didn't see um, anything that showed, like, his exact age, but I think they were only, like, a year or two apart. Like, Mm -hmm. in the pictures when they were a child, like, they look pretty much the same age. So I think they're, you know, very close in age, too. So it's like you've always... Mm -hmm. as far as you remember, had that person, you know? Yeah. So, Velda and Dewey had been spending the summer of 1977 at their mom's house, so their stepmom was surprised when a stranger knocked on their door and said he was looking for Velda. And she was like, Velda's in Kansas City. (laughs) She's not here. Um, But this stranger is insisting that she was in Brentwood and said he'd driven her to town from Kansas City to visit with some friends and was supposed to drive her back to Kansas City today. Um, The man was wearing a t-shirt, jeans, boots, and sunglasses, and he did appear to be nervous. So Velda's stepmom asked him to wait on the porch while she called Velda's mom, and when she returned, he was gone. Um, It was then that Velda's stepmom contacted her cousin, who was the assistant chief of police in Brentwood, um, and also the man who did identify Velda's remains. So the St. Louis County Police Homicide Unit was brought in and went to Kansas City to speak with Dewey. So Dewey said Velda had told him that she met a young man working at a gas station who was also from Brentwood. And he was going to town for the weekend and Velda asked if she could have a ride with him so she could visit some of her friends in Brentwood. Dewey said the man working at the gas station was 24-year-old Bobby Keener, and he met him before Velda left with him because he wanted to make sure he was comfortable with him. Like, he's like, let me meet this guy, make sure I don't get any ick mm-hmm. vibes, you know? Let me make sure this is a yeah, good, let me, let good me person. Check out, <laughs> check out this situation. 
Um, and Velda and Bobby left for Brentwood late at night and drove through the night because um, according to Google Maps, these two cities are about four hours apart. So that's a pretty mm-hmm. long drive with someone you don't really know that well. <laughs> yeah. And it's, like they left like late at night, like they were driving like overnight. So I can imagine Dewey being like, mm, yeah, I don't know about this. <laughs> But it is also the 70s. I mean, people are yeah. more trusting and, you know, more open yeah, to definitely strangers happens. and stuff. So Bobby was now the prime suspect in Velda's death, and police brought him in for questioning. Uh, he said they arrived in Brentwood early in the morning and had breakfast at his parents' house. Velda said she wanted to go to Six Flags, so they did go to Six Flags together. And when they left, she was carrying a balloon on a string from the amusement park. Um, so this was kind of a red flag for police because Six Flags was close to where Velda's body was found. So they're like, okay, prime suspect number one is putting himself mm-hmm. and right next to it. Okay. They're yeah. like, it's coming together. They're like, we got this. Mm-hmm. Um, so Bobby said after the amusement park, they drove around for a few hours and at a stoplight, Velda saw some friends who were working at a restaurant outside on a smoke break, and she said she wanted to catch up with them and got out of Bobby's car. Bobby said he didn't see the men from his car and that Velda took the balloon with her, uh, but left her shoes and purse inside his car. So Bobby said he then went home and went to bed around 10 p.m. And as he talked to police, some inconsistencies appeared in his story, and police were like, this doesn't make sense. Like, why does she get out of your car at a red light? with no shoes on, without her Mm -hmm. purse, but takes the balloon and walks barefoot down the street. Like, what is happening here? Like, Yeah, you're like, they're like, this guy's like putting together a terrible story because this makes no sense. Why would anyone do this? Yeah. Meanwhile, Velda's autopsy came back and revealed the cause of death as strangulation. And the medical examiner confirmed that she had been sexually assaulted. The stab wound in her neck was determined to have been inflicted post-mortem. And the detectives believe that Velda's killer was someone she knew and likely someone that had feelings for Velda and that she didn't um, reciprocate them. So police continued investigating to see, like, if Bobby fit the profile because they feel like a lot of red flags are popping up with him. So they're like, Mm -hmm. let's see if he fits. Um, And when searching Bobby's car, police did find Velda's purse and shoes that he said that she'd left behind. Um, And they then went to the stoplight where Bobby said Velda had gotten out of the car and interviewed workers of the restaurant there. So 20-year-old Mark Dover said he was the one Velda had gotten out to see. And he said that she walked barefoot out of Bobby's car, was wearing a blue and white striped shirt, blue jeans, and carrying a balloon. So Velda asked Mark to hang out, but he said he had to go back to work. So she went down went down um like walking down on the street so bobby's story is not so crazy now (laughs) (laughs) yeah they're like oh okay i guess she did actually do this even though this is odd but okay so two of velda's classmates then reported seeing her walking down brentwood avenue around that time they also said she was barefoot carrying a balloon and was with an older man so they described the man as probably like mid-20s, around 5 foot 10 with long hair, and they were curious about who she was with because they're just like, oh, here's my friend and she's with this older man. Like, I want to see what's going on. So they followed mm-hmm. them for a little bit, like just kind of innocent, you know, nosy behavior. Um, you know, what what we do today on social media, just in real life. You exactly. Know? <laughs> 
So they said at one point, Velda turned around and made eye contact and the man pulled her closer and they ducked around the next corner. Um, but they thought that Velda was just like seeing this older man. They're like, okay, like they just want some privacy. Like she sees that her friends are following her. They want to be alone. Mm-hmm. So they're just kind of going away. They said that nothing about her behavior indicated that she was in trouble. Like she didn't look scared. She didn't like try to get their attention. They thought that she was with this man and that they just wanted some privacy. Mm-hmm. Um, Like we mentioned, Bobby's story has now been confirmed by other witnesses who had seen her that night, and he also passed a polygraph, so police no longer consider him a suspect. Then, a few weeks later, a local man named Kevin Kiger is under investigation for the murder of a 17-year-old girl in Webster Groves. Um, She had been sexually assaulted and found in a wooded area with her throat cut post-mortem. Detectives said that the crime scenes were almost identical. Like, they're, like, reviewing the photos, and they're like, they look exactly the same. Mm Mm-hmm. They also found out that Kiger had gone to school with Velda and that he liked her, but she had rejected him. So now they're like, okay, this is what we were looking for. Um, However, the classmates who had seen Velda walking down the street couldn't identify him in a lineup and there was no physical evidence, which we know doesn't mean that it wasn't him, but, you know, they don't have anything to, like, arrest him with yet. Mm -hmm. Um, Kiger did end up charged and convicted of a separate murder, um, a woman named Agnes Greenwell. He did remain a suspect in Velda's murder and the other teenage girl whose name I can't find anywhere. Um, But again, they were unable to charge him because of a lack of evidence. But he's already behind bars, so it's like, okay, at least he's in prison for this other murder. So in 2006 now, almost 30 years after her murder, cold case detective Joe Burgoon reopened Velda's case. Um, So he found that the physical evidence had been meticulously preserved, which is unheard of for the 70s. Like, (laughs) this does not happen. (laughs) Um, So her articles of clothing were examined for any biological material and were sent off to try to obtain a DNA sample. And they were successful and they were able to get a DNA sample from semen in her underwear. And they compared it to Kevin Kiger, who is still the prime suspect at this point, still in prison. But it was not a match. So this threw them off completely because they're like, we thought this was our guy. Um, So they put the sample into CODIS, but there were no matches. So once again, they're stuck. So the next year, St. Louis Police Department received a call from Detective Jim Rokita from the Belleville, Illinois Police Department, who was looking for any unsolved cases of rapes and murders of young females in 1977 and 1978. So the St. Louis Police Department confirmed that they did have an open investigation for the rape and murder of 16-year-old Velda Rumfeld in 1977. So, Detective Rokita said that a 55-year-old man named Gregory Bowman had recently had his convictions for raping and murdering two young women in Illinois overturned based on a coerced confession. So, he was currently out on bond awaiting a new trial, but Rokita felt that he was a danger and was attempting to find other rapes and murders that he might be responsible for so that he could be arrested again. Because based on, you know, what had happened with these previous murders, he's like, this isn't the first time that he's done this. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, I need to find where else he has done this so we can get this guy behind bars again. So the St. Louis Police Department told Detective Rokita that they had recently gotten DNA from Velda Rumfeld, and so Rokita sent in a sample of Gregory Bowman's DNA for them to compare it to. So the DNA was a match, and they determined that Gregory Bowman was a serial killer, because this is his third murder that he's tied to now. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So Gregory Bowman had been sentenced to life in prison for the murders of 14-year-old Elizabeth West and 21-year-old Ruth Ann Janey. So Elizabeth West vanished while walking home from Belleville Township High School in Illinois after performing in a musical on April 22nd, 1978. Um, her family didn't believe that she would just run away. They're like, this is not like her. Um, and two weeks later, they did find her body in a nearby creek and she had been raped and strangled. On July 7th, 1978, nurse's aide Ruth Ann Janey disappeared from a bank parking lot in Belleville. Her body was found in a field a year later. Um, and just a few weeks after Ruth Ann disappeared, on July 20th, 1978, Gregory Bowman was arrested for kidnapping Jean Taylor from a laundromat in Belleville. So a woman actually saw his license plate during the kidnapping, and this led to police very quickly finding him, and he was charged and convicted for Jean Taylor's kidnapping. He had also previously been charged with attacking a girl in 1972 and had served time for that then. So just an overall piece of shit. For sure. 100%. <laughs> um, so after he was convicted of the kidnapping, he was being held at the St. Clair County Jail awaiting transfer to the Menard Correction Center to serve the sentence for kidnapping. So while being held here, another inmate, Danny Stark, told him that he could help him escape, but he needed to delay his transfer to this other place because he's like, I'll help you get out, but like you have to stay here for me to do so. Um, and he tells him that the way to stay there and avoid his transfer is to talk to the police about the murders of Elizabeth West and Ruth Ann Janey because he is a suspect at this time, but there's nothing to tie him to them. So this other inmate, Danny Stark, is like, hey, if you talk to police about these murders that they suspect you of committing, you'll stay here in this jail and then I can help you escape. Mm-hmm. So Bowman then confessed to these murders and was later charged and convicted of them as well. Um, and big surprise, he did later find out that Danny Stark was a decoy that police had put in there to convince him to confess. So in the year 2000, the St. Louis Dispatch published a story about the situation behind Bowman's confessions to the murders of Elizabeth West and Ruth Ann Janey, and Bowman obtained new attorneys and a judge ordered a new trial. So the prosecutor was prepared to refile the charges and take Bowman to trial again, but he was let out on bond because at this point they're like, we can't hold yeah. you because your conviction's been overturned because police elicited this confession from you. So, since Bowman was currently on the streets, St. Louis County was able to file charges for Velda's murder the afternoon the DNA came back. Like, as soon as they had that positive match, they filed charges, he was quickly taken into custody and questioned about Velda Rumfeld, but he refused to give a statement. So, a photo lineup was shown to the classmates that had seen Velda walking down the street that night, and they positively identified Bowman as the man Velda was with. Um, one of the women said that she would never forget those eyes, but, okay. First of all, we know eyewitness testimony is unreliable in general, but this is 30 years later. Mm -hmm. You saw this person one time. At the time you saw this person, you didn't even realize it was significant. Like it was yeah. like the next day when like Velda's body had been found that you were like, oh, maybe this had something. Like you didn't see this man and immediately know that he was kidnapping Velda. Did he have something like interesting about his eyes? Like were they different colored? Were they no oddly shaped? <laughs> like Just menacing looking, I guess. But yeah, uh, I have some suspicions about that, but you know, but we have the DNA, so it's all good. That's all that matters. <laughs> but, um, 
So despite the physical evidence, Bowman did plead not guilty to the rape and murder of Velda. Um, his defense challenged the DNA because it was so old, but the evidence did hold up in court. Um, Velda's family said that he showed no remorse or guilt at the trial, but he was found guilty of capital murder, and on October 22nd, 2009, he was sentenced to death. But then in 2011, the Missouri Supreme Court overturned Bowman's death penalty conviction because his previous crime should not have been considered during the sentencing phase for Velda's murder conviction. So because they talked about the previous murders that had been that he'd been convicted of but was then overturned, those mm -hmm. got brought up during sentencing. So the Supreme Court's like, yeah, you can't do that. So we have to overturn like the death conviction. Um, however, nature intervened and Gregory Bowman died in 2016 at 64 years old. Did it say from what? Um, this article just says that he had been ill for some time, but doesn't really say, say from what. what exactly, yeah. I didn't know yeah. if it was like heart attack or someone attacked him or like if they knew yeah. like what it was. Because <laughs> that is kind of yeah. young. Looks like he was sick. Um, but we do see a lot of times with these killers that... They die young from, you know, these random illnesses. And like, probably because mm -hmm. you got so much hate in your body, you know, that can't be good for you. Alive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Detective Rokita believes that there are more women that Gregory Bowman raped and murdered. Um, he reported that five women went missing in a 10-week period in St. Louis in 1977, and all of them were later found murdered. So he does think it's a good possibility that Bowman was responsible for them. Um, mm -hmm. We mentioned earlier the other 17-year-old girl, and again, I can't find her name. That's why there's no information about her, um, but she was found murdered close to Velda in a very similar manner. It's pretty likely that he was responsible for that as well. Um, and we know in the 70s, you know, the communication among different departments, the lack mm -hmm. of physical evidence, they got super lucky in this case because the evidence was preserved the way that it was. Um, you know, who knows how many others, like, there was just nothing to tie him to. But if you, um, if you have a habit of kidnapping, raping, and murdering young women, at least four individuals that we know about um he probably sure did a lot more yeah 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 and i'd never heard of this man um so i haven't either crazy that like what why do some of these serial killers get all this attention and then some don't i don't understand yeah i don't either um because i know like some of them that have like the high high counts like ted bundy green river killer mm -hmm. like those that have like 20 30 known to them but like yeah what about like the others who also yeah. get attention from killing like three people? And it's like, there are so many serial killers. And then maybe that's the thing is people want to be like, oh, it's not really a serial killer. Like serial killers are just so rare. So yeah. let's not talk. Let's just talk about the extreme ones and mm -hmm. how that I would never happen to me. And I'd never know that person. But like, let's not talk about the one who a serial killer is probably in every city, honestly, like. <laughs> I know it also um, depends. I've seen some stuff before about like some like murders that occurred at near the same time of like other huge national events just like got mm -hmm. swept under the rug. Like, you know, other like murders. That occurred. <laughs> well, yes. that might not have been a murder, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like things that, you know, otherwise would have been big news, but there was other huge news going on. And so mm -hmm. it just wasn't really reported on. And then if you don't have a lot of stuff like reported on at the time, you know, 30, 40 years later, it's really hard to find more information because there's not there's no news articles to look back on like no one mm -hmm. was investigating or looking into it at the time so it's just they just kind of their stories don't get told because the information's not there you know 
There is one case like that that um, Billy Jensen talks about a lot. And he talks Mm -hmm. about it in his book of, like, somebody who was murdered in maybe Brooklyn, I think. Like, Mm -hmm. the same day as, like, 9-11 attacks. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that, like, it's never been solved and no one really talked about it because there was this big thing over here happening. But Mm -hmm. no one ever really talked or, like, and I think that case is still unsolved of just, like, someone murdered this man and it was just never investigated because this huge thing was going on. Mm-hmm. That they just didn't have, like, the resources to, like, do both. Yeah, yeah. And especially, like, you know, things in, like, the 70s and 80s that it's, like, if there was nothing else going on, it was huge mm-hmm. news. So you heard about it, and people are still hearing about it. But if there were other, you know, big events happening, it just didn't, nothing yeah. more came of it. So, um, but, yeah, super sad. That is um, the murders of Velda Rumfelt, Elizabeth West, Ruth Ann Janey, and the kidnapping of Jean Taylor, in addition to, as we said, others who probably have not been tied to Bowman that maybe at some point in the future will, because we are mm-hmm. seeing, you know, new stuff coming forward um, all the time. A lot of these cases, they have some kind of evidence. It's just a matter of, like, is it worth testing? Because they're having to use resources to catch current killers. So, like, you know, they have to spend a yeah. lot of money to go back to the 70s to convict people or to find you know, information on people that may not even be alive anymore. So it's like, you know, we just need especially like from the 70s is like, it's been like 30 years and like, Mm -hmm. you know, almost 40 years. And then it's like, people don't remember that well. And people who are key witnesses might no longer be alive just from age, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's like really, really hard sometimes. Yeah, definitely. So that is that story. Um, Courtney, what is your perk of the week? So my perk of the week is last night I got to go see Rent. So they're doing Mm. their final national tour. So like after this, I don't think they're going to be touring anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe they'll bring it back a few years down the road. I hope so because it's amazing. Um, But that was my Christmas gift to my mom and my sister. So the three of us got to go and we got to have dinner and like go see it and it was just so good. It's always so amazing. And mm-hmm. of course, there's always the old people. Like, I went to the bathroom at intermission, and this, like, old woman behind me. I don't get it. I don't understand what they're saying. Let's oh just gosh. leave. They literally left. Oh, my gosh. What? She's like, I've, okay. she's like, I've seen plays I've enjoyed before, and this is not one of them. And she also kept touching me, and I was, like, about to slap her. Anyway. Also, like... Do these people just, like, randomly, like, buy tickets to something that they don't know anything about? Like, have you never seen Rent? Like, are you I not don't know with if Rent? They like, have, why like, are you there? season tickets. Like, you can get season mm. tickets where you get, like, all of them. But she was also yeah. acting like she didn't go to all of them because she was calling it a play. And I'm like, well, I feel like if you have season tickets, you know it's a musical. Yeah. She also... Because... They want you to wear your mask, like, at all times, um, mm-hmm. especially in the theater, because these people are touring. Like, they can't yeah. get COVID, basically. Yeah. Um, and, like, literally in line for the bathroom, she, like, rips her mask off when all of us around us. And she's, like, touching me. And I was, like, oh about to God. just slap her. Because she was Mm-mm. so loud, like, screaming, shit-talking the show. And I'm, like, wow, fuck you. Just leave. Yeah. But it was incredible. It was amazing. It was a mm-hmm. great cast. I enjoyed it. I always loved Rent, so. Yeah, that's awesome. But, um, yeah, that is my Perk of the Week. Jacqueline, what is your Perk of the Week? Um, my Perk of the Week is very boring compared to that. Um, but I did decide at the start of the year I was going to work on decluttering my house um, because I was pregnant when we moved in, so I didn't do as much of, like, 
the heavy lifting and like unboxing as I normally would have. So some stuff just kind of got shoved in closets mm-hmm. and to deal with later. So I finally decided to deal with it. Um, so I just did like one weekend, one one room every weekend since the beginning of January. And now here we are at the end of February. I've finally gotten through all of my rooms. I've put baby stuff in the attic. I've donated things to the thrift store. I've thrown out stuff we didn't need. And my whole house at this point in time is decluttered. You know, we know it accumulates quickly, so probably won't last, but it is a great feeling for right now. I have all of my like drawers and closets and everything all organized and things just so. Now, if I can just get my husband to keep it that way, then we'll be good. (laughs) So Yeah. Yeah. That's always fun, like decluttering. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, it does feel like it just like piles back up and you're like wait a minute yeah wait a minute. Like just i just got rid of stuff how do i have more junk i do again? feel like but... i sometimes have to be in a certain mood too like sometimes yeah. i'm in moods where i'm like throw it all away and yes. other moods i'm like but this one time with this wallet <laughs> i went to this place i can't throw it away and i'm like throw it away yeah away. i yeah i I've been like that my whole life but it got a lot better after my mom died and we had to clean out her house and i was like there was so much junk that was kept for sentimental reasons, but like yeah, it was, it was her sentimental reasons. Yeah, because was there, there was Courtney like knows. there was like your like timetables quizzes from fourth grade. Yes, like, the extreme part of sentimental. Yes. so it's like some of it is nice, but yeah, when you see like the extreme of it, you're like, okay, mm-hmm. I need to tone it down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I also try to think like, what things do I have that like would be sentimental to like my children because there are some things I'm like, oh, this is special to me, but like my daughter's not going to care about it versus like my mom kept like letters between her and my dad. Like that's super special. Like that Mm -hmm. means a lot to me. Like I'm glad those exist, you know, but things that I'm like. I do keep like every card anyone's ever given me, like a birthday card, Christmas card. I like to keep those. Um, So to my future children, if you exist, (laughs) if you need to throw those away, I understand. Right. (laughs) They're in a box. They're neatly in a box, at least. Like, they're in, like, a contained area. (laughs) Yeah. I do that, and I have a goal of someday, we'll see if it happens, but, like, saving, like, cutting out, like, the message parts and, like, saving Mm -hmm. that, you know, like, making something out of them where it's not just, like, a huge box of cards, but we'll see if that ever happens. Um, But in other super exciting news... Going a little bit out of order um, at the end of this episode, but guys, we did it. Y'all have heard we did it. this message for the last two years at this point. <laughs> We've finally reached our 50 reviews on Apple Podcasts. Oh, happy day. Courtney and I are so excited. Um, that happened this morning as of this recording. So mm-hmm. yes, super excited about that. Um, so uh, the week that you are hearing this, we are going to be doing the drawing. So keep an yes. eye out on our Instagram page. Uh, maybe we'll give you a couple of days to listen to this episode because I know not everybody listens like the day yeah. it comes out. Um, but this week we are doing the drawing. So keep um, an eye on that and we will make sure and notify you if you are the winner. Also, if you have not already, if you left a review and you did not let us know or your name is not included, like if your name's included, we got you, we, we know it's you. Um, but if you've not notified us that you left a review, make sure you do so this week so that you are in the drawing. We need to make sure we know who everyone is. So yeah. Yeah. Woohoo. That is so, so exciting. Um, and you can also find us on Instagram at Caffeinated Crimes Pod, on Facebook at Caffeinated Crimes Podcast on Twitter at Caff Crimes Pod. That is C A F F C 
Crimes Pod. Um, you can email us at caffeinatedcrimespod at gmail.com. We're on TikTok, Caffeinated Crimes, YouTube, Caffeinated Crimes Podcast. Um, and most importantly to me, because I'm a material girl, um, <laughs> you can find us on patreon.com slash caffeinatedcrimes, which you will be getting an extra bonus very, very soon next week. Mm-hmm. Um, and that will be bonus 20 when that comes out. Wow. So if you're like, I really just need more of you guys, 20 bonus right there at the, at your taking right there. Um, and mm-hmm. we have a few video, like we have a few video Q and A's on there, a, a video episode. You can join our discord. You can get a pen and sticker in case you don't win with this drawing. Like, we have some pretty good perks there, um, and we're constantly trying to do new things. Um, so, yeah, you can just go on over there at, caf- at patreon.com slash caffeinatedcrimes. And, wow, we don't have to say about the giveaway anymore. Oh, Woo-hoo! my gosh. It is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Okay. Uh, in the meantime, go have a cup of coffee. And don't commit a crime. <laughs>